it's no pulpit. <laughs> My dad pounded his fist on his Bible on a pulpit and tore a page. And his daddy, who was a pastor, said, son, it's the lightning that kills, not all that thunder. <laughs> Lord, we ask for lightning. Yeah. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much. Our church is the church that forgiveness built. It was born in a Ken and Barbie house. Ken and Barbara Smith were founding members of Shady Grove Church. They moved to Granbury to retire, lived in an RV while they built their house in Western Hills Harbor. They ran out of funds. His father gave him the money to finish the house. Now here's what's significant about it. Ken's parents went through a divorce when he was five. Ken grew up hearing nothing good about his dad. He saw his dad once at a funeral from a distance. No conversations. Years later, Ken's a believer. He's got children uh, that are grown, just about. And he's attending Shady Grove Church and hears a word on forgiveness. So he writes his dad a letter asking for forgiveness for not honoring, honoring him as his dad communicating with him. His dad immediately responded with another letter and said, no, I need to ask you for forgiveness. They reconciled. His dad had remarried. Ken's mother had never remarried. She never spoke ill of Ken's dad, but her parents who raised Ken did. <laughs> who knows you can take up an offense for your kids, right? And uh, to make a long story short, Ken's father's wife had passed and he wound up remarrying his first wife. And in her latter years where she needed care, his children from the second marriage helped take care of her and him. Ken was never burdened with that. And when Ken needed resources to finish his house where he didn't know a church would be born, his father had the money. So if they hadn't reconciled, we wouldn't be there today, I'm sure. So keep in mind, whoever's harmed you, wronged you, do your part. Figure out how to agree with your adversary quickly because you do not know the destiny that's ahead. We walk by faith, not by sight. And sometimes we walk by sight and not by faith. I'd like to speak to you today on faith itself, literally the longevity of faith, or should I say the longevity of God-given faith. Hebrews 10. I'd like to read the last few verses of Hebrews 10 and then the first few of Hebrews 11. And then we'll take off from there. Verse 35. Cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might inherit the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry who's still waiting on that promise to be fulfilled. Now the just, literally the just one. Now the just one shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That's a quotation from an Old Testament prophecy. But we are not of them that draw back into perdition, unto perdition or wickedness, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Next chapter. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders, and he's fixing to go into in this chapter the testimony of the elders, by it the elders obtained a good report, a great testimony. 
Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. There's a source of our faith. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaks. So his faith lives on. By faith, he offered the more excellent sacrifice. Because of his faith, his testimony lives on. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then he goes on and shares the testimony of Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. For say, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing where he went. And here's what's unusual. He had faith for inheriting the land and the only land he ever owned was the land he bought for grave sites. But his faith lived past his lifetime. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Who's looking for that city? So faith goes beyond our lifetime. In verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned, to go back to their past. Can we say, don't go back? But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. God gives faith. God is the place the atmosphere where faith is. The New Testament says, by grace are you saved through faith. And that faith is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So God is the origin of faith. He gives us saving faith. Can you say salvation? salvation. We're saved when we believe. We're not saved because somebody talked us into believing. In evangelism, we try. But we need the help of the Holy Spirit to put their hand, put his hand on their heart and give them the ability to believe the impossible. A virgin had a baby for God. And that child grew up as a perfect man and died an unjust death and conquered death for us. If you believe that, it takes help, right? So saving faith is born in our hearts. So God is the origin of faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, talking about preaching, says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's some preachers misquote that and say faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And if you buy my tape and listen to it a hundred times, you'll have faith. That could happen, but that's not a formula. Faith comes by hearing. And how does hearing come? 
when God speaks to us. So the atmosphere of receiving faith is hearing God speak to you. Some people think faith is denial, just plain old denial. I don't have a coat. I don't have a cold. I don't have a coat. The guy has a coat and he thinks he's walking in faith by saying he doesn't have one. No, faith is denying the lordship of colds, denying the lordship of our circumstances. But it's not denying our circumstances. We wouldn't have a Bible if there wasn't room for honesty about tough times, right? Pastor Owen Griffin visited a church and a woman came up to him and pulled up her bridge's leg and said, you want to see where a dog didn't bite me? <laughs> that's not faith, that's denial. You want to see where a dog bite's not going to get me down? That would be faith. So faith is a gift of the Spirit. So it's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law, long-suffering. It's a fruit of the Spirit, but it's also a gift of the Spirit. Uh, if you categorize the nine gifts listed in 1 Corinthians, there's uh, utterance gifts, there's revelation gifts, and there's power gifts. And one of the power gifts is the gift of faith, the ability to believe in spite of impossible circumstances. There's a story in the book of Acts where Paul was on a ship that's about to crash, and Paul had a visitation from God, a dream. And he was able to stand up and say, Sirs, I believe in God. And if you listen to me, no one will perish. But we all have to stay on board. That was a condition of the word. If you get off board, you were off, we're, we're going to have some deaths. So what storms are you facing? What has God spoken to you? It's not something we conjure up. You know, looking for promises to claim and paste on on mirrors and stuff. There's, there's room for that. But faith literally is when God speaks to your heart. There's no longer a worry. You just have to hold on to it. And it comes from hearing God speak. That word for word in Romans 10 is the word rhema. The two Greek words for word is logos and rhema. Logos is language in general. It's all the word of God. Jesus is the logos made flesh. But then there's the rhema, that specific word for you where faith is gone. When the angel visited Mary, he gave her this promise. She said, how can this be since I've not known a man? And he said, with God, nothing is impossible. Literally what he said, check it out. With God, no rhema is impossible. All of God's rhemas come true. So we see that saving faith comes from God. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. We've seen that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. We see that faith is a gift of the Spirit. And we've seen that faith comes from hearing a rhema from God. Uh, the armor that we wear, we wear the shield of faith. And we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That word is rhema. So faith comes, our shield comes from hearing the rhema and believing it. And then our sword comes when we use that rhema. We speak in obedience. Years ago, I got really rattled 
and I let my armor down, basically. Uh, there was some element of people in the church that were uh, upset with me and on their own came to me individually and said, God's hand of judgment is on me, is on you. And one of them, a new believer, asked to meet with me and an elder and my wife and said, Alan, God's hand of judgment is on you. I know why and you know why, so I'm not going to tell you why. You're out of here unless you repent. And then he turned to the elder that was there, Joe Duncan. And Joe Duncan, if he doesn't repent, you're out of here and going back to Fort Worth. Well, Joe's never lived in Fort Worth, so I mean, something was off there. But it still rattled me. It just rattled, because I love these people. And this was a new believer. I said, who have you been talking to? It matters not who I've been speaking to. It just rattled me. And I would pray, and God seemed to be silent. So his silence seemed to be confirmation. Oh, I must be in bad shape. We don't walk in absolute perfection 100% of the day, at least I don't. I don't have coffee with God at 5 a.m. every day. I'm a human person who believes the Lord and my righteousness has been imputed to me and as he graces me, I live a life that reflects that righteousness. But this really rattled me. Anxiety would hit me. It would be like I'd lay on my office floor and it seemed like the office was just spinning. And the, the silence was like deafening. And so I went to a prayer and fasting center. Shady Grove Church had a prayer and fasting center back in those days. And I said, God, i got to get to the bottom of this. I've got to hear from you. And so I went in on a Friday night. I was going to stay Friday night and all day Saturday. And I went on a Friday night spent time with the Lord as best I could. Saturday morning, I didn't seem to be going anywhere, and I was impressed to go to a Christian bookstore. And so I did. I was impressed to buy a book by John Bevere called Breaking Intimidation, Breaking the Power of Intimidation. I read that book, and it was like water to my soul. In fact, I never read books nonstop, but I read that one nonstop, except for you know, taking water breaks and such things. But I kept reading till I was done. And then I had the truth. And this is what I learned. God speaks to us on the level that he sees us. You know, when your baby falls down, you have your baby get up, right? Come on, you bend over and get them up. And eventually you let them get themselves up. God was ready to speak to me here. He wasn't going to speak to me down there. In fact, God was speaking to me here, but I wasn't tuned into the frequency. I was down here in the pits, believing things that weren't true. All it took was to get out of the room, go in the bathroom, point at the mirror, and just review my calling, the rhema. Alan Latta, you didn't put yourself where you are. That's right. And I just began to exhort myself, encourage myself in the Lord. There's a place for that. I took my sword, my raiment, and encouraged myself. And I said, this is a bunch of crap. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, there's God speaking to me. Suddenly, I'm communing with the Lord. And it just freed me up to walk in the faith that he had given me. So if God's given you faith, it's going to be tested. It just is. All those people that were against me eventually left, but one by one they sent back or sent word or brought word of apology, except one. 
And I made an appointment with that one, and it got broke. And another appointment with that one, and it got broke. And I finally just said, listen, if you ever want to talk about this, get to the bottom of this. I'm willing to do it. But you let me know when you want me. And I just moved on and never looked back. So that's a key for somebody. When you have a calling from God, when God has spoken to you, you know it. It's not something you conjured up. You didn't take scripture and build a case to try to blackmail God with. God, he said, well, he said a lot of things. You know, he also said, go to such a place and get a donkey. If you, if you think that works to you, you might get arrested for horse stealing. <laughs> Commune with the Lord and hear what he says to you. Now, when God speaks to us, he, he's eternal. He doesn't live captive to time, right? And his word is eternal. And we are eternal, but our bodies are not. Therefore, for the faith that he gives us to be fulfilled, it does not require that our bodies are alive when it is fulfilled. We just saw that in Hebrews 11. He's died in faith, not having received the promises. Now, did they have the promise? Yeah, they had audible voices, angelic visitations, all kinds of confirmations. And yet they didn't see the fulfillment of the things they were contending for. Yet God's word lived on past their lifetime. Why? Because faith comes from God. It doesn't come from me. We walk by faith, not by sight. Our sight is temporary based on the lifespan of our eyeballs. The point is, faith lives on. An example from the Old Testament, Elisha took Elijah's place. And Elisha asked. Now this is where asking comes into the picture. Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. When Elisha died, if you take the miracles of Elijah and make a list, and the miracles of Elisha, it's really easy to do, you can Google it, not right now, and see the two lists, Elisha died one miracle short of doubling the number of miracles Elijah performed. Until sometime later, Elisha's grave got opened up and someone killed in battle was thrown in on top of his bones and he came alive. What was that? That was faith that God obviously gave Elisha or that God obviously honored that Elisha had being fulfilled past the lifespan of his time. Ferris Whitehead was a friend of mine. And I'm sure when he passed, he did not see the fulfillment of all the things God had promised him. He's passed on the other side, but the promises are still alive. You guys are walking in the fulfillment of them. And there's more promises yet to see. You know, I'm sure you've done some research to see what all the Lord had promised him. They're going to be fulfilled. And should we pass Believing in that city whose builder and maker is God, one day we will see it. Our faith will become sight. Right? I wasn't able to attend Pastor Ferris's funeral, but I was able to attend his grave side service. And Gary Stewart 
was the primary speaker that, as I recall, and he said these words, and it was so profound, I wrote them down, and I often quote them at funerals. He says, here we bury the remains of a man of God, but not his legacy. Here we lay his hardworking hands to rest, but not his works. Here we cover his earth suit with soil, but not his ministry. And here we say goodbye, but not for long. For one day soon the trumpet's gonna sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for faith that you give. I thank you, Lord, for the honor of being here. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation and these amazing leaders. Lord, this is just a blessing. And Lord, we give you honor for all that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for using the hues to carry on the leadership that the Whiteheads began. Thank you, Lord, for this team. Thank you, Lord, for the faith that you've given them. Help them, Lord, to discern what you say. And I pray, Lord, that you would hear what they're asking and that, Lord, you are able to do abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think. In Jesus' name, amen. One more little story. In 1976, my two brothers and I, with my parents, moved to Salisbury, Rhodesia to start a church. Before going, we traveled across the United States. It was a fun year to travel because of, it was 76, America's 200th birthday. I mean, it was a patriotic year. And we were visiting some church and the pastor's home had a copy of the National Geographic that had come out the year before. And in it, it had an article on Rhodesia. Rhodesia is now known as Zimbabwe. And the opening page of the article had a picture of a blonde crossing a city street followed by an African woman carrying uh, furniture on her head, a rattan furniture. And so the article was on the contrast of the cultures. I pointed to the blonde and told my younger brothers, I'm going over there and getting one of those. <laughs> so I did marry a woman from there, but she's not blonde. She can be like, she can be like Lucy and we'd laugh and say, oh, you have blonde roots. We laugh about it that way. Years later, I go into a used bookstore, and sure enough, there's a section of National Geographic, and I find that very issue by it. It's in my home to this day. Take it home and show it that, and we laugh. She said, that's where I worked. When we met, I had a job at a women's clothing store called What's Happening, and I crossed that street many times. And that car is not my car, but the same kind of car I had. And we laughed. But we had a daughter that was conceived there, and she was born blonde. And she grew up, she didn't look exactly the same, but from a distance, I did go over there and give me one of those. <laughs> now, it wasn't that I was trying to conjure something up, manipulating God, I was just speaking out a desire, and he honored that. 
So don't stop dreaming. I went through a period yeah. years ago, I started a church that I wound up closing because all I did was pursue my dreams and God was kind of somewhere in the background. And so I believed dream, I went to the other extreme. Dreaming is just evil, no more dreams. And a friend came to see me and rebuked me. So no dreaming is good, but you gotta seek God with him. Include him. Let him filter him. Let him say no. And uh, so I did. God bless you. Thank you so much for this honor. Pastor Cody.